The Graphene Prairie, 2082. The North American Union comprises all of Mexico, Canada, and the antique United States. 93% of citizens live with a nanocomputer consensually embedded in their skull. Alcohol is banned. Cannabis is mainstream. Holograms fill our eyes. Drones float above the city hub streets. And the office of the architect watches everything and everyone. Everyone, that is, except for a particular group of shiners. Hand-picked outlaws protected by canine war cyborgs and a charismatic and mysterious telepath named Doxon Julius Abner. Mr. Abner has a purpose. That purpose is freedom. He and his shiners make America's black market vodka. And they're the only heroes left. Welcome to episode one of the 18th Shadow Radio. This is your author and narrator, John Lee Grafton. Acknowledgements. These books are dedicated to the smokers, the outcasts forced to search for lighters and Buddha in cold alleys, the back-end programmers busy separating church from state, the busted painter, the Mountain Dew addict and musician, dreamer and dancer alike, the disaffected and forgotten artists who ply their trade in rented rooms for the sake of their hearts, forsaking all else. These books are dedicated to the wandering soul burners of a thousand masks who feel most lonesome in a room full of friends. These books are dedicated to the brewmasters and the stillmasters and the venters and the barstool outlaws who gotta have their whiskey just to turn down the noise. And lastly, to the ones that never made it, who died in a manner they did not choose trying to break free. These books are dedicated to you. The Eighteenth Shadow, Phase One, Dawn of the Courtesan. Somewhere on this planet lies the fossilized carbon imprint of a single biological cell. This is the 4.5 billion year old ancestor from which every form of life as we know it originated, including you. Anonymous Black Dolphin Stream. Chapter 1.1, The Hunted. From the Cloud Diary of Dax Abner, June 3rd, 2074, 1.13 a.m., eight years, four months before event. I am archiving this initial entry on my combat local. The cloud stream is not yet established. Nothing is. The farmhouse is a disaster. We paid a fond digital for this. Outside, an American thunderstorm rages. Walls of purple clouds a hundred kilometers tall. Thunder, cracking, lightning, burning. The rain will not relent. Kansas is humid. Like New Miami in summer, yet here the oceans are built of tall grass, wheat, and jane. There's no sound but my dictation. The patter of rain and the bizarre yipping of feral dogs somewhere by the river. I have to return soon. I've been waiting 18 hours, all streams dark. Eva instructed me to keep this diary to leave a part of myself for the second city team. First city doesn't even have a relay to the solar grid. But the legacy is now mine, so I will continue waiting for this Israeli. I've walked the 600-acre piece of land thrice, end-to-end, -end, dodging storms and a couple of nasty-looking wood possums. Mother said to find the poet. Poets, much like the possum, continue to persevere. 
so shall I. You reading entry one, day one, whoever you are, Second City must now be spooling, so there is, I hope, reason to celebrate. I think I hear the peal of an airship. 1.27 a.m. Salina, Kansas. November 2086. Four years, one month after event. CNED Director Franklin Phelps was a company man, a creature who found comfort in regulation. The mud and clouds disgusted him, and he was regretting bringing Saxon along. It was a hunt in the countryside for actual shiners. The boy should be thrilled, but he loped downfield like a churlish ape. What other foster parent would let their teenager carry a lightning gun? It was his wife's fault, the boy's sullen attitude. Phelps would have to discipline Bao Yu for this when he got home. He raised his hairless, alabaster chin to the horizon and licked the slivers of his lips, studying the world through eyes the color of wet stone. There had to be signs. Recent intel from his DEA mole had led him to these dog-forsaken hemp fields. The plantations lay fallow for winter, and it had rained the night before, a long Kansas drizzler. He did not appreciate the way the mud caked his boots, nor the bite of damp westward wind howling at them across the cruel abdomen of the land. A rage headache was rising. Saxon's lack of enthusiasm for law enforcement was the root of this ill. It made Phelps' toes itch in his boots to think of it. He didn't dare lay a hand on the child, a complication that made the migraines feel downright lethal. The relentless zoom, vroom, vroom, of wind turbines spinning at the nearby Saline County Power Gen farm was not helping either. Vaporizing a little Jane might fix all that. Mm, now the noise. If a particle cannon had to be fired, it was a violation of protocol to be blended. He angrily ripped off a glove and popped a plesium tablet into his mouth instead. A flock of starlings a thousand strong roiled through the wispy winter clouds. The birds flashed and swooned unpredictably like a school of airborne sea fish. Phelps started trudging again, watching the birds. It would be enjoyable to incinerate half the flock, but that would be a waste of valuable ammo. The birds were too far away to hit with a sidearm. His foster son's footsteps sloshed rhythmically a hundred meters ahead, everything irritated. The plesium will kick in soon. Saxon was young. He had been taught how to stroll a proper recon, but did it wrong. Gunpowder or particle weapon, he was the best shot in the city, probably the state but he showed no enthusiasm for such talents. When Saxon was unsealed 17 years earlier, Phelps had lifted the squealing infant from his gestation cradle and examined him as though he were a slice of petri veal at the deli. Saxon's squirming pink body was smeared with synthamniotic fluid. Phelps had grimaced and placed the child back in its growth medium, promptly immersing his hands in a sonic wash. The mighty sky dog of circumstance had chosen him for this. But why? Because Saxon will grow up to be the greatest community narcotics enforcement division agent the Union has ever seen. Of that, Phelps was sure. What he was not sure of was the means by which the child came into his life. It had been 17 years and not a word since. Back in 2069, Phelps was still just a CNED volunteer, paying back the IRS for his own visit to the slaughterhouse. In the basement of CNED HQ, he had a volunteer's office with a heavy wooden door surrounded by stone walls that smelled of damp plasticrete. 
Here, day after day, he perched on the edge of his chair, voraciously studying the city drone streams, waiting for a citizen to commit an alcohol infraction. The last thing on Phelps' mind that morning was unsealing a child. It was early, no one else about. He had just sat down behind his desk when the door opened, an enormous hooded man in a beige robe brazenly entered. The man looked like a Bedouin nomad. Phelps' calculating eyes dashed to his holoscreen projection. Oddly, the building computer had dimmed the lights as soon as the man entered. No unauthorized entry klaxon had sounded. As Phelps trudged through the mud, he tried to remember the basics of the encounter, but the details were fuzzy. The Bedouin man had not introduced himself or asked questions. His face was blackness, paired with a synthetic voice that held no mercy. He informed Phelps that he was paying him five million digit dollars to adopt a specific child at the hospital. Phelps was incredulous. He rose from his desk, not a small figure himself, astonished as he checked, then rechecked the banking widget on his holotab. His anxious voice whined like a damaged trumpet. I don't know if I can accept this. Is this IRS verified? How? The Bedouin raised a white-gloved hand. Silence. The IRS is not your concern. The voice deepened grimly. You have ten hours to take custody of child 2082-1016 or the money will vanish. If any harm comes to this child by your hand, you will vanish. The hooded man reached into his burlap robe. An odor of burnt leaves filled the small office. Phelps remembered instinctively activating the emergency transponder hidden beneath his desk. All he could make out beneath the sandy, tough-wove hood were two glowing emerald eyes. He shivered as those emerald eyes turned on him now with a predatory focus. Notifying the police of my presence will not be necessary. Without averting his gaze, the Bedouin produced a tiny silver device from his pocket and tapped its glass face. Phelps' holotab chimed a receipt tone. That is your cloud key for scanning clear at Salina General. The child is ready to be unsealed. You are now its legal guardian. Phelps had then made a calculated mistake he flushed to think of. The CNED Intimidation Regiment had trained him to respond with authority when threatened, however. He cleared his throat and began to contentiously challenge the Bedouin. Sir, let me be clear. The only thing I'm going to do is ping the proper authority. Bribing a public official is against the law, and I have certainly not agreed. The Bedouin stepped forward and pounded a mammoth fist into Phelps' desk. The metal surface squealed, crushing down like foam. Phelps backed away in shock. The odor of incinerated leaves grew stronger. The slow-spoken words, bottomless now, resonated from every corner. I am... The proper authority, Franklin. The Bedouin tilted his head to one side and leaned closer, making the desk's metal frame buckle under the punishing force of his fist. I see from your biorhythms you have questions still. The answer is everyone. We watch everyone, Franklin. We watch everything, all the time. You will adopt infant... 2082-1016. From Salina Regional Health Center, you will do it today. The man stood, again to his full height, consuming the tiny office. Be grateful. If it was up to me, that desk would be your skull, Mr. Phelps. In 18 years, we will speak again.
Listen to the voice in your dreams. How does he know? Phelps gasped. The Bedouin turned and partially crushed the antique doorknob as he exited. Unlike his silent arrival, the man's bootsteps now clanged densely as they receded down the hall. Phelps remained frozen, sweating, eyes and fingers running over the indentions on his wrecked desk. I'm gonna have to give up the booze. Could he survive without booze? The slaughterhouse had not abated his addiction. It was his dirtiest secret. The treatment gave him the rages, though, and the headaches. He had kept a delicious sipper of closet whiskey under the kitchen sink for years. But those days were gone. He had to obey. We watch everyone, Franklin. We watch everything. All the time. Phelps had heard what happened to a person in the lunar work camps. It wasn't simply fear of the horrifying hooded man that compelled. His brain told him it was the right thing to do. I'll have to learn to like Jane. But marijuana made him paranoid. Maybe if he popped plesium before vaporizing, he'd like getting stoned better? Everyone at CNED swore by the red federal pills. Everyone. Everything. All the time. A short month after Saxon's unsealing, Phelps trailed a drinker to a speakeasy in the basement of a private home. He put 12 college students in mag cuffs in a single day. The promotion to salaried enforcement agent came quickly. He floated through the ranks, soon building repute for his successful yet cruel manner of fieldwork. There was something stimulating about watching a citizen's eyes as he bound their wrists and poured their pricey shine down the loo. Especially lady violators. Their anxiety pheromones made him salivate. Discovering a sex toy among private things was in fact his favorite high. Phelps would smack his glossy lips within tickling distance of a female booze bum's ear and speak his words with a pasty tongue. You're going to learn to love swallowing plesium. Phelps shook himself, realizing he'd become slightly aroused. Never in front of the boy. Those were long-gone days anyway. He had since sent 1,842 citizens to the BMOD facilities. Other CNED agents called him the Digidime Sheriff because the majority of his arrests were small-time possession hits. Mm, the Dixies are just jealous. He had busted 14 solar stills in his career as well. No one mentions that. The citizenry called microbrewers and still operators shiners. Musicians wrote them songs. Poets pushed shiner haiku to their hollow blogs, oft uncensored. Mm, poets, traditionalist pawns. Drug dealers deserve no songs. Nothing gave Phelps more joy than sending a shiner to the slaughterhouse. Phelps returned his attention to the present moment as his HUD chimed. A data packet had arrived. Groundwater numbers from a DEA hack he had paid the mole some high digis for. Mm, buried centibots detected 12,000 liter hydraulic... Hydra... Hydra... Hydro... Hydrologic friction anomaly... Anomaly every 168... Uh, science! Blah! Phelps immediately lost interest. He didn't want to read. He wanted to shoot something. The civilian-class Mantis lightning cannon was getting heavy. He gripped its rubbery stock tighter with chilled, well-fed fingers and looked ahead at Saxon. The boy had activated his holoflaw suit. Only the contrastic edges of his legs were visible as he walked. If he stopped moving, he would become a ghost. Saxon was brilliant with a rifle. Even Phelps had to admit. 
It enraged him that the boy had no interest in this gift for guns, nor the CNED Youth Initiative. The child spent too much time in the basement, obsessed with smoking hand-rolled antique joints of the like no one had smoked in half a century. Music thudded constantly from his room. The boy seemed to accomplish little, besides playing hollow games and streaming with friends about their next telepathic DJ set. They call it dub and drop. I call it an attitude problem. That very morning, Phelps had been forced to listen to Saxon whine over the hemp cakes Bao Yu had made them for breakfast. CNED youth kids are damaged, yo. And I'm sick of walking around in the cold. It's one Saturday a month, vaporized while Reggie and Prob are at the solarium hoverboarding. I just want to chill, amigo. Whenever the boy used the word chill, Phelps would close his eyes and take a deep breath, imagining that he was strangling Saxon violently and shoving a blade through his eye. This fantasy always improved his spirits. The child desperately needs the sort of behavioral structuring Bao receives. But I can't. I never have. The wife came to heal nicely after the slaughterhouse. Phelps felt lucky, because unlike most women who saw the drill, Bao Yu still liked to cry. The plesium had begun to work its magic on his nerves. The present drifted back. Featureless gray clouds, dirt rows and mud puddles, stripped hollow hemp stalks and a line of trees in the distance, stretching out like a chorus line of skeletal gallows. This was all the present offered. Phelps turned his head as a drone whizzed past on the nearby County Hove Road. Fifteen thousand meters overhead, a carbon dioxide scrubber raked its giant black tentacles through a break in the somber clouds, then vanished once more. Phelps re-engaged the holoflage filters on his HUD, and Saxon snapped into view a green stroke outlining the boy's form. Saxon held his lightning gun too languidly. Its fat silver barrel was pointed towards the earth. He simply didn't care. Phelps knew from purchasing a black market hack into the boy's hollow diary that his foster son was fixated on four things. Bettys, marijuana, music, and hollow sims. Of course, he had not tried alcohol, though he had lost his virginity. Phelps had not told Bao Yu. As a woman, she wouldn't understand. Phelps tapped his combat irritably. What's our numbers, child? Saxon answered quickly. 341 on the ground, still progressing south towards the grid 4 terminus. Fine, fine. Phelps dialed up the magnification on his HUD. They were getting closer to the row of trees marking the next property, a private farm, Gavine Hemp and Jane, LLC. He and Saxon presently stood on the sprawling fields of the federally subsidized People's Hemp Plantation. Computer, scroll profile on adjacent farm. Phelps mumbled and licked his lips as he skimmed the text that began scrolling before his eyes. James Gavine and his wife had purchased the property six years ago. Hmm, the old Nichols place. Good riddance. The new owners began planning a strain of affordable mid-grade indica under a private gene patent. The farm also rotated a hectare of textile-grade hemp for a boutique women's clothier downtown. As Phelps scanned the hollow, he realized he had met the man— Gavine was a CNED donor, came out to the quarterly citizen briefings at the Mason's Hall. The farmer sat in the back. His questions were industry-related, perfunctory. His handshake was calloused and firm. Mm, a typical hemp cowboy, tossing his digits on the legal side, wants to keep booze off the hove streets. That's good. Phelps blinked twice. His HUD flipped to the next page in the file. Gavine's wife was 29, originally from Florida, Kansas resident since 2081. 
Public records indicated the woman was pregnant in her second trimester and had foregone fetal transfer. The child was cued for a vaginal birth. Disgusting. Only 19% of women gave birth corporeally. It was the only odd detail Phelps could see, but it wasn't unusual for farmers to be antique about things. Phelps blinked and scanned the remaining data. All Gavine land use permits, in order, criminal backgrounds and known associations, clear and cross-referenced, water draw, below allocation. The Gavines ran an efficient, zero-impact marijuana farm. Aside from the gyno birth plans, they were painfully normal. The land, however... Phelps wiggled his toes, hunting the elastic chasms of his mind. The early winter wind was as cold as the situation was vexing. Somewhere in this sector was a subterranean still. Buried on the farmer's property without his knowledge? The answer lay in the water. Only a fusion-based system could reprocess and jet-pump 12,000 liters in such a short period of time. The nearest purification factory was 326 kilometers west in Colby. That purifier provided two-thirds of Kansas with clean drinking water, along with a portion of southwest Nebraska and eastern Colorado. Examining the flurry of details made the migraine return, rage not far behind, he knew. He could feel the pulsing behind his eyes. Has it gotten colder? He thought about weather and his HUD automatically displayed the current forecast. Temperature had dropped three degrees. Sun, 132 minutes from setting. They would have to conclude this hunt within the hour. Despite a life in the gym, Phelps' quadriceps ached from stepping over four kilometers of mud. He puffed his cheeks and sneered at the wind. Every CNED agent worth a digicent had busted a closet solar still, but only 13 fusion stills had ever been discovered. They were massive operations with power cores the size of beach balls at their center. They were the stuff of legend and Phelps wasn't going to find one. At least not today. He had been so certain when Bao Yu was preparing them breakfast. It's a shame. Saxon and I checked out some of the division's priciest gear. Their holoflage suits were calibrated to confirm subterranean fusion at 800 meters. The tree line was only a kilometer away now. Perhaps we will uncover something there. All he needed was a sliver of exposed biopex moving unregistered water, and he could ping a squadron of drones. All electrical broadcasts from a camouflage solar array. Mighty Skydog, just give me... Ahead, Saxon suddenly paused. Sir, you get that? Motion, there, no, there, the base of the hill. Saxon had leveled his gun along a firing vector. Can I release a case of micros? He asked excitedly. Calm down. Not yet. Phelps stopped walking. The treed hill in the distance was half obscured by low-hanging clouds. He scanned up, back down, goggles moving over the rows of jagged farmland. Satisfied, he quipped. What exactly do you think you're seeing, child? Saxon said. I think there's... Phelps jumped as his own kinesis klaxon cut the stream. A female deer had emerged from the tree line and bolted across the field. The animal was running for its life straight at them. Why did I infrared scanners not detect her? There was nothing but open ground all around, no predator in sight. Phelps magnified and expanded scans across all composite frequencies. Nothing. If a duck hunter had been camouflaged in a blind... We would have picked up the citizen's IPv7 two kilometers back. The deer continued its panicked dash across the open field. 
Before Phelps could stop him, Saxon had knelt and taken aim. The boy fired. A round of jade-toned particle energy spat downfield and popped the fleeing doe like an overfed tick. Only the spindly legs remained. The shattered stalks galloped two more halting steps before collapsing in a slosh pile of guts and scorched fur. Phelps yelled at his foster son hysterically, Sax! You're strange! Non-emergency! Why shoot a deer? There's a reason we got hollowflage on! Child, you listening to me? Saxon grimaced and turned down his calm. The number of times the man had spoken those words, Child, you listening to me? He could not bear it. I'm not your child. Pretending his false dad did not exist was the best way to ignore his utter lameness. Saxon recentered his HUD's tracking matrix. There was something else out there. He could sense it. The feelings were coming more often now. He shook off the sensation and raised his fist in the universal hold sign, breath rapid but steady. Sir, I'm telling you, I got a light on the seismic just for a second. It wasn't the deer. Can I release the birds? Phelps sighed. Best to let the boy have his fun. Go ahead. Sweet. Saxon reached into a pocket and withdrew a black case containing four hunting assist drones. Each was the size of a gray ping-pong ball. He dumped the drones into the palm of his hand and tapped his comm bud. They instantly illuminated, red first, then green, and Saxon threw them into the air. He smiled as the drones spun in a coherent orbit, established anagrav, and then flew towards the location where the doe had emerged from the line of hickories. We should begin receiving telemetry in three, two, one. Shit! Watch your mouth, snapped Phelps, glowering. What is it? He watched the tiny drones, not yet fifty meters away, suddenly go black and drop from the sky, plopping into the mud one by one. Saxon! That's Cened Tech! It's not me, cried the boy. They just died. I think we got hacked. No one is fast enough to hack a moving drone. Despite his underlying desire to run over and beat the boy with his rifle, Phelps knew it wasn't Saxon's fault. The kid was a code whiz. He could pilot an auto drone at three years old, so the situation was odd. Phelps despised oddness. Oddness bred unpredictable things, and unpredictability was a gateway to unacceptable outcomes. Child, you're giving me the nerves. What are your stats on? An articulated boom shook the air. They both ducked. Looking up, the engines of a transorbital passenger jet turned from red to violet, pushing the plane across the sound barrier on its way to a standard Mach 3 cruise. The jet left a vertical halo on its contrail at the point where it went supersonic before slipping into the clouds. Phelps exhaled with relief and remoistened his lips, speaking in a pesky timber. You got me jumping at airplane sacks. How do you think that makes me feel? Go retrieve your dead drones. First lower that particle rifle, and repeat stats. Saxon lowered the barrel of his mantis. His breath was still hurried. I apologize, sir, but I really just think... Shut your mouth, snipped Phelps. Numbers. The boy was more than a hundred meters ahead. It was unlikely, but possible his sensors were picking up something else. Saxon swallowed nervously. Those drones didn't just fall out of the sky. The day's light appeared to be growing brighter though the sun stayed hidden. It wasn't just the premonitions. Something was changing with his eyes also. A bead of cold sweat ran down Saxon's forehead. Okay, okay. 
I see 0.2 kinetic ripples, nonlinear sequencing. Phelps had instructed Saxon to never trust his gut, to let computers do the thinking. He spoke with confidence. Sax, windy day. That readout could be yawn and tug on tree roots. It could be a deer That doe was probably trying to distract us before you blasted her. He tried to deepen his voice. I want you to advance. All right, then. Gather those drones, and don't you dare fire that gun without my permission. They would go as far as the base of the hill, drop a couple of new Cenobots, call it a day. It was going to be a long hike back to the Lexus. Saxon turned back and glared at his foster father as they again began marching. I hate you more than you will ever know. The bald old man was always trying to school him. He enjoyed telling Saxon things like, Throughout history, the smallest pieces of data have exposed the greatest criminals, Sax. Crap. All crap. The nickname Sax was crap. The CNED Youth Initiative was crap. Saxon brushed a strand of blonde hair from his eyes as he continued, unable to ignore what he knew to be true. Sir, I'm telling you. Treason wind, Sax, said Phelps. Treason wind. It wasn't Geo Yon and Tug. I'm not stupid. We're a kilometer away. Something big moved in that dirt. Phelps smiled pompously and checked his own array. First of all, watch your tone. Second of all, what are your stats now? Saxon loved rolling his eyes. My sensors are flatline. It was just a feeling. The world doesn't run on feelings, child. It runs on numbers. I know, Sir Jesus, numbers. Can we get this over with? I'm starving. Saxon trudged ahead faster, boots splashing mud between the rows of dead hemp. He made it 11 meters before his combud klaxoned again, this time louder. He was 114 meters ahead of Phelps. Saxon's heart jumped. 2.1 verified ripples, 38 by 97. Something has to be spewing. It's no baby deer. I mean, 2.1, that's fusion, right? Phelps was seeing similar readings. Hold position. Calm silent. Phelps knelt to the ground and activated the binocular stabilizers on his HUD, magnifying a view of the tree line. He could see rusted barbed wire nailed into the hickories, one trunk after the next. Lumpy warts of scarred bark showed where the trees had absorbed the strands of metal fencing. He scanned carefully, pretending it was a hidden image puzzle like at the bottom of the Sunday Hollow comics. Phelps flipped his HUD to standard. Nothing. He returned it to a 5,000 millimeter digital magnification. There. A baby deer rustling in the underbrush? This was ridiculous. He was too far out to get the same gravitemp readings as the boy. Nonetheless, 2.1 verified ripples was enough to make Phelps boot his own lightning cannon. Per regulations outlined in the 2086 CNED Field Operations Manual, much of which Phelps himself had authored, now was the time to paying a security drone for backup. Mm, protocol. There was no reason. Not yet. Sachs was right. They were onto something. The automated defenses around a fusion still? If so, their holoflage suits would make them invisible to standard motion scanners. Megastills were automated. Warehouse bots did the heavy lifting. They oft had skeleton crews. Or so he had read. If he could surprise the shiners and bring them down alone, he would be... Phelps said the word salaciously. Famous letting it drift from the tip of his tongue. He didn't realize it then, but his toes had stopped itching. Sax, 
I want you to retreat to my left flank, 20 meters parallel. I'm holding position until you're back here, activating Hypersense Array now. The suit's array could scan at full spectrum for 15 seconds, but a four-second sweep would pick up any micro-wormhole activity. If there was anything in those trees larger than a rabbit running on fusion power, he would find it instantly. His voice trembled lightly. Uh, activate Hypersense. Authorization Felt 29. A small green diode on the suit's shoulder pack illuminated. There was a momentary vibration. Just like Sim. He felt good as he waited. Readings will be negative. He studied his breath. One second. Two. Three. His combud gave a truncated chirp. Phelps looked at the information and blinked. He read the holocaust twice. Then he read it a third time. A dry ball of terror formed in his throat. He whispered slowly. Computer. Encrypted stream. His combud responded smoothly. Encrypted stream initiated. Cross-reference and verify on-screen data. Saxon's voice cut in, tinged with fear. Sir, something dark is out here. Phelps flipped stream, scowling. Shut up and retreat like I say, child. He switched off the open stream. Computer, verify HUD data. The human biosync processing drive surgically implanted beneath his left temple reiterated the information succinctly in a computerized female voice only he could hear. Verification complete. Dual independent wormholes maintaining stabilized orbit at 916 meters distance on a south-by-southwest trajectory. Targets are 2.32 meters beneath the soil surface. 2 meters. 1.76 meters. Phelps felt goosebumps rise. He heard the sound coming from the tree line. It really was, just like a training sim. His suit's directional microphones began transmitting a low, pulsing hum through his comm bud. The decibel meter indicated this hum was growing stronger, originating at the base of the hill. It was auto-streamed to both holoflaws suits. Sir, are you hearing that? asked Saxon. Phelps' head swirled. The audio sounded like a hub semi-spooling, lev fan rotors spinning faster and faster. Visual alerts blinked rapidly across their HUDs as the suit's auto-alert klaxons began to chime. The computerized female voice was bright, but devoid of emotion. Detecting 47.8 harmonic ripples. 68 harmonic ripples. 113 harmonic ripples. Alert threshold achieved. Please cross-verify any known gravitemporal sources. Civilian auto-alert in 20 seconds. 19, 18, 17... Saxon was running as fast as he could away from the trees. His boots slogged laboriously. Believe me now, Dad! I told you there was something else out there! Shit! The boy was shouting as he ran. Suddenly, in a fit of panic, Saxon turned and knelt. He aimed and fired a second particle round. An enormous hickory tree at the base of the hill exploded. Yellow late-autumn leaves and splintered branches fluttered down like snowflakes as the huge tree toppled. Saxon was out of ammo. No! Phelps yelled so loudly as Combud squealed. You'll alert them to our position! I think they've been alerted. I can hear... Just run, you ridiculous child! Cut Phelps. Run! But sir! Protested Saxon as he turned and again began to flee. What is it, child? I swear now is not the time... No, sir, Frank! Dad! They just told me what you did! Yelled Saxon between breaths. I won't forget. Phelps scowled with a fresh rush of paranoia. What are you speaking 
A piercing klaxon vibrated his inner ear. Just run, boy, Phelps snipped, and no more of your foolish babble. Move! He muted the klaxon with a blink and restabilized his magnified view of the hickory stand. Great dog in the sky, he whispered. Two large mounds of fresh-dug soil dusted with leaves began collapsing in. Something was rising from the earth. Phelps tried to speak, but his throat was parched. His mind raced, normally ordered thoughts turning frantically back to the Bedouin. It's not my fault the boy died. I took a bribe, Your Honor. I never wanted the sniveling brat in the first place. It was that man in the hood. Phelps slapped his own cheek, kneading the pain. Pull it together. What uses fusion? Power grid. Auto turrets. Cyborgs? The closest military base was Fort Riley. They had cyborgs. Stream DEA. Why haven't us seen it? Drones confirmed our auto ping. A DEA comm driver would know how to shut down these robotic perimeter guns, or whatever was spooling. He swallowed to wet his throat and squeaked. Come. Patch CNED Control. CC DEA GenCom Agent 29 Authorization Amend 21. Repeat. Amend 21. Reporting unregistered fusion activity. Sector 9, Quadrant 4, Salem County, Kansas. Experiencing calm irregularities. Manually streaming our pin. He glanced at the mag view and bit his tongue. Before the barbed wire fence, a four-pronged mechanical paw the size of a basketball broke the surface. Each toe on the robotic paw bore a 12-centimeter metal claw. Phelps' eyelids began to flutter. War cyborgs? A trickle of unnoticed tongue blood made its way over his lip. His back was damp with sweat. Fingers of winter wind cut through his holoflage suit. He dialed back the magnification five percent. Two robotic paws had broken the surface, pulling the full torso of a cybernetic dog's unit into view. The huge, silver-toned automaton shook side to side, ridding itself of clinging dirt and leaves. Phelps had only seen these creatures in war museums or in the holoflix. Such monsters had also been reported at the Battle for the Lawrence Pumpkin still. But those are urban myths. Following the first, a second dog's unit began emerging from the earth. The trunk of the hickory tree Saxon had felled lay on top of this one's resting place. Once on all fours, obviously irritated by the obstruction, the creature seized the hickory in its jaws and hurled the tree into the open field. The beast again stood still. Beads of disbelief stung Phelps' eyes. From what he knew, the big ones with no bioskin had been outlawed to all, except the highest echelons of the military. If they're military, they're on my side. Phelps felt an illogical sense of relief. I just have to send over our IPV-7s, and the driver operating these bogs will see we'll see Ned. Now out of the ground, the identical dogs' units were each the size of a hub limo. They had elevated themselves from their hiding place under two meters of wet soil with the ease of birds preparing for flight. Their red eyes glowed as they swung their massive silver and black titanolume heads back and forth, scanning. Phelps could see their fortified joint gears spinning, making micro-adjustments to their limbs. Their mechanical bodies were covered with armored scales arranged in complex geometric patterns, but they moved like biologicals. Phelps understood enough Fusion 101 to know that the cyborgs had been lying dormant to evade detection. The reactors were still spooling. In the afternoon's waning gloom, a faint blue light emanated visibly from the independent cores mounted in their chest cavities. Two of them. Impossible. Phelps tapped his combud, desperate for a response to his outgoing pings. 
The GovCloud's default female voice was secretarial and prim. Hello, Agent Phelps. We are experiencing network difficulty. Your communications to... The computer hesitated while it processed the message recipient. CNED, Control, and DEA, General, cannot be broadcast at this time. We are experiencing network difficulty. Please try again later. No! Phelps exhaled a foggy breath, trying to contain the fright and rage. The cyborgs had not yet moved. It was not to worry. Once they were fully functional, the creatures would scan his IPv7 and immediately stand down. That makes no sense. His holoflage suit klaxoned, relaying seismic vibrations from the impact of the cyborg's first steps. The animals were fully powered. Phelps watched one of the dog's units raise its head to the clouds and open its nacreous mouth, displaying a full set of carbide-tipped teeth complete with 25-centimeter fangs. The beast then howled, a sound so loud the directional mics auto-muted. They could hear it perfectly a kilometer away, like the horn of a maglev train bred with the haunted song of a timber wolf. The second dog's unit joined in, producing an even more fearsome call. Both cyborgs then reared back and launched, clearing 30 meters before touching down side by side in a crush of mud. Phelps frantically checked his suit's hollow interface. His IPv7 was pushing on all streams, verification green. They wonked my IPv7, but aren't stopping. He had to mute his holoflaw suit's gravitemporal klaxons. The creatures landed and leapt into the air again, gaining incredible momentum across the fields. Their steps thundered, boom, 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 displacing waves of mud a half meter high. There was no choice. Phelps would have to incinerate them. If Saxon can hit a deer, he knelt and took aim with his lightning cannon, auto-locking into his tracking matrix. Not like the simulations. He blasted off two contiguous particle streams, one directed at each cyborg. Lightning rifle rounds were ionically charged to gravitate towards metal objects, and they curved fluidly towards their targets. Direct hits! Nothing. The jade-toned energy streams distributed over the dog's unit's bodies, then fizzled harmlessly away. The cyborgs merely snarled and increased the pace of their charge. His combat spoke flatly into his ear. Target's 400 meters from Saxon. 300. Phelps tapped his calm furiously. Computer! Resend IPv7! Friendly, friendly, friendly! The calm replied succinctly again. Your IPv7 has been confirmed. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. In the hapless, final moments of his life, events seemed to happen in slow motion for Franklin Phelps. He watched one of the massive cybernetic canines slide to a halt, snarling brutishly at Saks, yet fifty meters off. It was so strange the boy had stopped calling for help. In fact, he was kneeling, looking straight at the monster with his hand extended as though he intended to touch its gigantic muzzle. The second cyborg continued closing. It was on him. Phelps hurled his lightning rifle at the monstrosity, flailing his arms as he screamed, Wait! My name is Franklin Phelps! I'm on the board of... The second dog's unit, unconcerned with board membership, flashed its head sideways and snapped its jaws around Phelps' ribcage, causing the man's torso to explode in a confetti of splintered bone and guts. The animal dug its saber-like claws into the earth and shook its head savagely, rendering loose the dangling sections of spine and hip until the two body halves dropped to the soil with a bloody twook and twack. The creature's alloy muzzle was red, yellow, dripping with bile, it growled, circling the severed halves of its quarry, crushing Phelps' skull with a single step. 
as an afterthought it flicked a rear leg and sent the top half of the carcass tumbling away across the field. Satisfied, the cyborg turned and faced its sister, the one now protectively circling Saxon. Both dogs' units locked vid-orbs, exchanged data, then raised their heads to the gray clouds and howled in furious unison. It was the sign the man on the hill had been waiting for. The hunt was over. Excerpt from the 2071 Hollow Pamphlet, Parents, Get Smart About Alcohol, sponsored by the Community Narcotics Enforcement Division. In 2060, 47% of North Americans reported drinking alcohol more than once in their lives. 71% of North Americans reported seeing alcohol used at a social function. Alcohol. When it comes to alcohol use and abuse, there is so much at stake for your family and your children. If your combat is vibrating and you're worried about your child floating with the wrong crew and making the wrong decisions, you're not alone. Blink or swipe your holotab to cned.hollow. Identifying alcohol and potential alcohol use and abuse is no easy task. There are many threats. Black market liquors, such as vodka and rye whiskey black market beers and wines, and well-camouflaged drug paraphernalia, even your teen's social and visual cues. Finding an empty mason jar in the closet in your child's room, or hearing your child stammering about what went on at their visit to the Holosim Theater earlier that night with friends, might be your first sign of drug use. Don't make assumptions, but don't ignore a dark sky too long. Remember, all alcohol is black market alcohol, there is no federal oversight of production, so your child could literally be drinking anything. Continue scrolling to learn more about the types of things teens are confronted with these days, from pressure on social networks to avoiding and reporting alcohol use in high school. Blink or swipe your holotab to cned.hollow. We can help. The Get Smart About Alcohol section of the CNED page will give you information to improve your recognition skills for the liquid drug, covering the visual cues and signs of alcohol use, as well as identifying different popular forms and types of alcohol. The information in this section can also help you and your child navigate today's dark social waters when it comes to alcohol and popularity. Blink or swipe your holotab to cned.hollow. This concludes Chapter 1.1 of The Eighteenth Shadow, Phase 1, Dawn of the Courtesan. Please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com to sign up for The Eighteenth Shadow mailing list. On johnleegraftonbooks.com, you can also download the free digital box set containing the first three books in the six-part series, the free box set is available in Kindle format, as well as Smashwords, Kobo, and Barnes & Noble Nook. Remember, citizens, Kindle isn't just a thing. It's a free app you can put on your phone to start reading the 18th Shadow box set today. Prefer a paperback like it's 1981? Visit Prospero's Books at 1800 West 39th Street in Kansas City, Missouri, where every phase of the 18th Shadow is available built of glue, ink, and compressed dead trees, the way books were meant to be read by real North Americans. Until next time, this is your author and narrator, John Lee Grafton, reminding you to spay and neuter your pets.
And remember, if it's not cannabis, kids, don't smoke it. This has been a public service announcement of the 18th Shadow Radio. For more information, please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com. Books.com.